Indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why is the time of the day with the slowest traffic called the rush hour? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I'm huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains. With the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly, from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I have employed what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of that would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show, and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness and introduce tonight's special guest. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has spent all week wondering why doctors call what they do practice. Welcome to the show, Heather. What is wrong with you? It is odd, isn't it? I, I mean, would you want your doctor to practice? I mean, I want him to get it right. That's why I just went don't to... want him to say, oops. Oops. That should... Where's my watch? That would be unfortunate, wouldn't it? <laughs> Things like that would be distressing, I guess. We also have the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim has spent all week outside wondering why the sun lightens her hair but darkens her skin. Welcome to the show. You're looking very radiant. You have caught the sun. Yes. Was there any point where Greg said to you, can I see your white bits? And you said, I haven't got any. Did that ever happen? Was <laughs> no. there some, nothing, nothing like that took place? I just thought I'd ask. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. 
Greg is pondering over the last few days why lipstick is called lipstick when women can still move their lips. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hello. That would be a wondrous invention, wouldn't it? Show 24. No, I'm just saying, you know, that would... It's a good thing he's sitting on the other side of the table. It is. I make sure... I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the House of Commons, where our British government meets to talk on a daily basis and to have debate, there is a distance between the government on their benches and opposite them where the opposition sits. And that distance is measured by how far it is that you can stand with a sword and not hit your opponent. So there is a distance involved in that. Typically, how long are their swords? (laughs) Well, it's Britain, so they're going to be very long. (laughs) Wow, you've done research on all of these things, I'm sure. (laughs) Yes, show 24. 24 is a very strange number, actually. It's the uh, smallest number with eight divisors, because you can divide 24 by 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 8, and 12, of course. It's also a kissing number. Has anyone heard of that before, a kissing number? No. no. If you imagine spheres and you have 24 of them, you can glue them all together in such a way they're kind of symmetrical and they're all kissing one another. A kiss, of course, is the shortest distance between two lips. As Greg well knows, of course, because he's a bit of a musician, there are, in fact, 24 major and minor keys in Western tonal music. So 24, a very special show. So without any further ado, by the way, I've had no sleep all week. I don't know if you recall last week's show, but there was a story towards the end of uh, a 93, I believe, a 93-year-old woman, and there's a gentleman who was in his 30s or 20s that has a thing for elderly ladies, and all week long, I just can't help, in my mind, almost like I've got Tourette's and I've got to repeat a word over and over again, I find that remarkable. He has a string. He has a fetish for women in their 90s, and he has a string of them. The woman that was talking and being interviewed says, I don't mind being a, you know, am I spending too long pondering on this? I just thought that was something that stuck with me. It struck a chord. It's, uh, I just find that bizarre. Just me then. You was talking about doing a walk of shame when you're 93 in the old people's home that takes an hour and uh, they're in a walker and they're just, you know, going inch by inch and everyone's looking at them because you can't leave quickly, can you? That's what I'm saying. You know, it's going to be really slow really ponderous walk of shame it's outrageous if you wish to see any of our stories we do have a facebook site it's called more questions than answers with adrian lee we have over four thousand followers on there so if you wish to see stories of young men dating 93 year old women ufos cryptozoology ghosts hauntings and all things bizarre and strange you're welcome to look on there all the stories from tonight will be posted on there there's videos to see photographs and a lot of things we can't get through in a one hour show so let us jump straight in our first round of course is ghosts and hauntings and everything is to play for heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings mummified body found in ohio home (laughs) christ that actually made me jump made me jump too (laughs) greg was quick there wasn't he with his trigger finger I, i was really intent on that i was really getting focused on it and then through my headphones I hear that, and that's uh, that. That made me jump. I'm glad we're not doing this with cameras because you'd see four people in a studio suddenly jump three inches into the air. No points for making you jump. Oh, I was thinking minus three straight off the bat. To be honest, wow. A boy exploring an apparently vacant house in Dayton, Ohio, Sunday received a nasty shock when he saw what was inside the closet. No jokes. Or being in the closet or out the closet. <laughs> 
It was the hardened, leathery body of a man whom officers say may have died nearly five years earlier. Officials from Montgomery County Coroner's Office identified the deceased 53-year-old Edward Brunton and ruled his death a suicide by hanging. They said that Brunton's body was well-preserved because a closet protected it from sunlight and insects, as well as the effects of the humidity. Leathery and hardened, just like yes. George Hamilton, isn't it? Surely. <laughs> Don't you touch him! You have a soft spot for him, do you? I do, I love him. I'm sure if you've got a soft spot for him, he'll find it. Oh. <laughs> Ken Betts, the director of the coroner's office, told the Associated Press that Brunton was homeless before he inherited money from his mother to buy the house in October of 2009. Betts added that Brunton likely died soon after, though he could not fix a precise date. WDTN reported the house was engulfed by overgrown weeds. A notice from the city government dated May 11th of 2013 was posted on the home's front door. It said the homeowner was violating the law and needed to mow his lawn. Neighbors told the station that they had not seen anyone in the home for at least three years and assumed it had been abandoned. I can't believe that you... He hung himself in his closet, did he? He hung himself in his closet. Well, at least he's neat and tidy. That's the main thing. And they posted a note on his door there was a picture of his home and the weeds were it looked like george of the jungle shall i tell you what happens in britain that means that doesn't happen very often we get milk still delivered to our doorstep because uh, the first thing a brit wants when he wakes up in the morning is a nice fresh cup of tea with milk in it and cereal of course so you get your milk delivered the milkman puts the bottles down and uh, you collect them in the morning and you wash them and put them out when they're empty and they collect them back again after three years there would be a lot of cheese and a lot of yoghurt congregating on his doorstep. So you would only have to be maybe a week into that hanging and uh, your milk... How do you pay for such things? Do you give them money when they drop it off or you pay yeah, a weekly one, due? Yeah, on, on Saturday morning, the milkman will come around and he's got a ledger, but I'm sure it's all done by computer now. And he'll knock on the door and say, you owe me £18.50. But the milkman also provides cheese, yoghurt, dairy products, things like that. But That never happened here. Yeah, they're, they're a no. menace. Milk floats are a menace. Well, one of the things you've got to remember is that there's long distances and they have electric um, buggies they go around in, which is called a milk float. And they used to have milk delivered with horses and a horse and cart back in the day. But uh, there's such long distances in this country. In London, of course, you could quite easily get around on a charge of a couple of hours on an electric milk float. In this country, you'd only have to go to your neighbours and uh, you'd be you'd be in trouble. There'd be no juice left in your car and you'd have to push it back, I guess. But that's what happens. There's dairies all over the place. Everything in Britain is driven by tea. We have aisles in our supermarkets, miles and miles and miles of biscuits and confectionaries and sponge cakes and chocolates and anything that accompanies a cup of tea. It's really geared up for Did tea Did I mention drinking. that none of us have eaten before this? Oh, so that was your you stuff. <laughs> I did wonder if that sound Greg made, which made us all jump, was in fact his stomach earlier. But well, I, I shall prepare you all for your dinner by talking about food in copious amounts. Food, glorious food. I'm off to Alcatraz. Has anyone been to Alcatraz, San Francisco? Nope. I've actually seen it. You've seen Alcatraz. I haven't been there, but on I've the seen streets it. of San Francisco, yes, I watched I have. Bullet once, if that counts, with Steve McQueen. It says Alcatraz ghost sighting spooks visitors but not officials. A British tourist visiting Alcatraz, the most famous former prison in the US, got a ghostly surprise when she took a picture of an old cell block while on an audio tour. On the other side of the window of the cell door was what appeared to be a woman. Sheila Walsh from Birmingham took the photo on her iPhone while touring the famous and allegedly haunted rock with her partner. How did she know it wasn't just her reflection? 
because her partner Paul told her it didn't look anything like her. You have to be cerebrally lacking, don't you, when you have to have a third party tell you in your photograph whether that's a reflection of you or not. Surely you know it's a reflection of you. You must have a sentience and awareness of what you look like, surely. There's baboons in the Amazon jungle know what they look like. They have an awareness. There's pets and dogs that if you show a, a mirror or a photograph of them are aware. I mean, does she not wonder every morning when she gets up and she looks in the bathroom window why there's a strange woman combing her hair and putting lipstick on in her bathroom? Does that ever happen? I mean, how bizarre. It says it doesn't look anything like any of the other apparitions reportedly spotted over the years at Alcatraz. Do you know any of the ghosts in Alcatraz? Am I going to have to tell you? This point's at Go stake. On, then. Well, apparently, there's a man with glowing eyes in the hole. So, ever had an experience with a man in your hole, Greg? Is that something? No, I have no? not. Okay. Um, Al Capone playing his banjo in the shower as well. Um, I don't know if that's what they're calling it now, but uh, there's been experiences. You know, I'm just you're going to go off and play your banjo for five minutes. Adrian, what are you doing in there? I'm just playing me banjo, Mum. I'll be out in half an hour. Don't come in. Um, have you seen this photograph? It looks like Jackie Onassis. It looks like a woman, kind of in you know, with a 1960s haircut. And, I haven't seen uh, the photograph, but I've seen um, remade film footage on uh, on a TV program of it. Of all the ghosts of Alcatraz. Of the, red eye, the ghost oh, with the red eyes in the hole. And, and the hole. What is, what is the hole then? I'm guessing that's like a cooler, is it, where they'd throw prisoners you yeah, know, that were solitary. misbehaving like, like Colditch, you know, escape from Colditch. Steve McQueen again. Wasn't he in the, uh, the cooler when he had the baseball and he's throwing it against the wall in that famous scene? He's cropped up a couple of times tonight. But yes, I think he looks a bit like Jackie Onassis. But I was wondering why there'd be a female prisoner there. Why, why would there be a ghost of a woman when that's basically you know a paternal masculine environment there wouldn't have been many women around would there i don't recall any but i'm not an expert on it either i think you know either it must have been someone who visited an inmate back in the day and a ghost of a woman looking for perhaps a loved one that was uh, incarcerated there maybe did they have visitors i guess they did or she may have actually brought it with her of course a lot of these places we go to people take photographs and have all kinds of eerie and ghostly experiences but you can carry ghosts around with you you could have a team of people with you and you just happen to be in Alcatraz when you took a photograph of one of the things that are following you around so I guess ultimately she could have had it with her and uh, it might not have been actually associated with Alcatraz at all wow what an interesting story. I shall give myself points. I was a miss earlier, Heather, for not giving you points. So you shall have three. I shall also have three, and we have parity. Kim is yet to score, but the night is still young. What have you got for me tonight in the rounds of Ghosts and Hauntings? Three American friends hospitalized after becoming possessed following Ouija board game in Mexican Village. Ooh. Yep, that's, uh, that's Taco Bell, and that's... I told you not to have anything spicy, Greg. You were... You were warned. There we go. I'm glad you're sitting on the other side of the room is all I have to say. Alexandra Horta, 22, reported playing with Ouija board in a Mexican village, joined by her brother Sergio, 23, and 18-year-old cousin Fernando Cuevas. But minutes into the game, the trio apparently started acting in a trance-like state. Alexandra began growling while her relatives were suffering hallucinations. Sounds like a Christmas party at my family's house, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Did anyone fall over drunk? Was there, you know, a fight perhaps? Is this Nope. Okay. Perhaps this it's is not in like Mexico? That. Yes. Mexican village. Yes. Southern Mexico, it says. There we go. So he was good with the Taco Bell references. 
Oh. By the way, I have to say this. I'm sorry to interrupt your story, but several weeks ago... You we, had tacos. <laughs> and it's kind of stayed with me a little bit, so I just thought I'd like to share that with everybody. And uh, You have already. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no fun reinserting your lower intestinal tract with a shoehorn. <laughs> we um, had a story where warlocks that were Mexican were going oh, to go to the right. World Cup mm-hmm. And they were going to pray, they were going to do their rituals, they were going to do mm-hmm. spells to get Mexico through the World Cup. They thrashed Cameroon. So the Cameroonian witch doctors obviously need to go away and practice more, I would suggest. Mexico are playing really well. They've actually made it through you know, the, uh, the group stages and they uh, are going to go on to do wondrous things, I suspect, if they have all of those warlocks presiding over their games. Because Mexico weren't favoured to do very well they only qualified at the last minute because America got a result against Panama which meant they went through and they've had like four coaches in six months so they weren't expected to do anything but they're they're doing all kinds of magnificent things on that football field I'm hoping England might be able to invest in some Mexican warlocks and see if we can get a bit further didn't you say that um, they were projecting that they didn't even think Mexico would get a point or they'd get a point during oh, all yeah, of their Oh, yeah, they weren't matches. expected to do well. Are they, I think, Brazil in their group, maybe? I'll have to go back Something and check. Like yeah. That, yeah. So, you know, they weren't expected to qualify, but they have. So, well done. My little chikorito. To Mexican warlocks everywhere. <laughs> we shall see how far they go. Listen to this space, I guess. Do continue, Kim. Sorry, what did they do? Did they have to uh, get medical uh, the help? The players were taken to a hospital where they were treated with painkillers. But that helps. What about an exorcism? <laughs> um, apparently, the this Alexandra began growling and thrashing around in a trance-like state, and her, uh, the other two, Sergio and Fernando, also reportedly started showing signs of possession, including feelings of blindness, deafness, and hallucinations. It was the all-you-can-eat buffet, isn't it? That's what mm. did it. Yeah, I've had hallucinations after that, and a zombie <laughs> walk very similar to an exorcism. I have to say. They also treated them with anti-stress medication and eye drops. And Tums. That's what you need in an exorcism, isn't it? Eye drops. I get the impression they've got the thousand yard stare. You know, they've got their eyes open and that seems... Eye drops in an exorcism. I've got a kit for exorcisms. You know, you've got sage and And holy water. And you don't have that in there? Well, I'm I'm obviously lacking in the exorcism kit department. Break glass in case of emergency. I didn't think I'd need eye drops for an exorcism. What comes to my mind is they, they weren't on any type of drugs. Did they test them for drugs? Anything like that? The article doesn't say anything. It sounds like mass hysteria to me. It sounds like the three of them have got worked up and, you know, suddenly you're going to a seizure. And, you know, I've seen people that have been under the influence of spirits and ghosts, but I've, the last thing I'm looking for is eye drops when they're coming for me. It's normally a crucifix and some holy water. <laughs> Hang on, let me get some eye drops. That looks like you've got some sort of allergy going on there. You know, what you need is some antihistamines to bring the spirits out of you. We've obviously been going wrong for all of these years you should have a myriad of points we're all level on three at the moment how exciting is this but i have one more story for ghosts and hauntings it says dead workers have right to holidays apparently dead workers in germany have a right to any annual leave which they failed to claim at the time of death europe's top court ruled on thursday in a case brought by a widow from North Rhine-Westphalia, the European Court of Justice ruled she was entitled to money from her dead husband's employee for the holiday he had failed to claim. The dead man, named only as Mr. Balak, worked for the retailer K&K from August 98 to November 2010 when he died. He'd been seriously ill since 2009 and was unable to work for long periods of time. When he died, 
he had 140 days of annual leave outstanding, which comes to €16,000. Mr Balak's widow asked supermarket K&K for the money in lieu of the annual leave not taken by her husband, but they turned her down, saying she couldn't inherit her dead husband's unclaimed holidays. In a judgment published on Thursday, the European Court of Justice stressed the right to paid holidays was particularly important. The court has previously held that where the employment relationship has terminated, the worker is still entitled to an allowance in lieu in order to prevent all enjoyment of that right to leave being lost. I like the way they say employment relationship is terminated. Now, when, you, when you're dead, your relationship with your employee kind of stops at that moment, doesn't it? Unless you're being employed as a psychic on one of these chat lines. It'd be really cool, wouldn't it? I've had a couple of uh, members of my team. We are the International Paranormal Society. And sadly, over the years, I have lost a number of uh, members. And I always thought it'd be fabulous if uh, those investigators that were in my team that have now passed could actually help us from the other side would be fun, wouldn't it? Because we're all investigators around this table. When we pass on, wouldn't it be a joy to still continue to do that? But ultimately... Are we setting a pact now? <laughs> what, live on air? <laughs> I'm not going to be a blood brother with anybody. You are now blood brother with Chief Hepatitis B. Fabulous. <laughs> I like the idea that you could still take the dead person on holiday. I want to see a roller coaster at Valley Fair full of dead people. Because, you know, it's cranking <laughs> cranking to the top of the, uh, the, the, the arc there. And, you know, can you imagine their arms flinging around and when it goes upside down? Why don't down? you just go to a okay, casino? Like... <laughs> what, and see lots of dead people throwing their arms <laughs> I around? I was busy thinking about the tree that falls in the forest. When they go down from the, after the roller coaster crests and then go down, can yeah. you hear them scream? Wow. I think there'd be lots of people on the floor screaming, perhaps. I like the idea. This would make much more interesting. If, do you know when you get to see people's holiday slides and holiday photos and it's incredibly boring? You know, oh, this is me and Mavis on the beach. This is We met a really nice gentleman who was a waiter. His name was Sergio, and uh, he's bringing us a pina colada. And, and then this is us by the... It'd be great, wouldn't it, if the other person... What type of accent was that? That's Pakistani. Do you not okay. pick it out? Okay. <laughs> I was going to go with Ohio. Is that too subtle? <laughs> Are you going to say it, Heather, or am I? Oh, here we go. Um, The bell is ready. I am poised with finger. Vacation with Bernie. Yeah. Yeah, This is true. I like the idea that you could have holiday snaps. I'd actually want to see holiday photos where my auntie comes to me and says, oh, here's me and Uncle John, late Uncle John. You know, he's decomposing here by the pool. And uh, this is me and dead Uncle John on the plane, but you can't see him so well because of the flies. I mean, that was, you know, are we going, are we going? I like the idea that he could be on the... The Dodgems, you know, this is where Uncle John's eye fell out on the Dodgems. You mean the <laughs> bumper cars? The bumper don't cars. You? <laughs> <laughs> you got a dead person. The Dodgems sounds like dodge ball, and you just have them stand there and throw balls at them and hope they dodge them. I suspect if you're dead and you've just been propped up, you're going to lose. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> unless, unless you're not very good at throwing, of course. So you know, dead people against an all-female team and you'd be there for two hours and there'd be a stalemate. I can't see how that what? would work. <laughs> but Minus. Can you imagine taking a dead person on a bumper car? I mean, the moment, you know, the first impact, the eye comes out, bouncing around, down someone's cleavage even. I mean, embarrassing. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? So there we go, ladies and gentlemen, the dangers of taking dead people to the fair with you. You can't say this show is an informative. We move now to the round, which we call... Green men and hairy beasties. It's UFOs and cryptozoology from around the world. Heather, what have you got for me in this round? Man allegedly on meth arrested for harassing a couple in a car he thought was an alien spaceship. 
You know, we, every week Greg impresses me. Last week he was playing a harp. This week he's got his pan pipes out. It's remarkable. Is there not an instrument? Yeah, I know you can play the banjo quite well, Greg. But um, is there no instrument this man can't play? He's got a whole... A whole... Plethora. Plethora of musical instruments back there. I'm going to start finding stories involving, like, bagpipes and, you know... I don't want to hear about Greg playing someone's bag stories. I crept downstairs once on Christmas Christmas Eve, as all children do. Don't do it. You sneak downstairs, don't you, to to see what presents you've got, you know? Perhaps in the middle of the night, Christmas Eve, all the lights on the tree twinkling and... It was the night before Christmas, and I open up the door in the lounge, and there's the tree with all the presents. My dad, unfortunately, was uh, at that very moment in time placing in very gappy underwear the presents under the tree late at night. I I thought, I was upset. I thought I'd got bagpipes for Christmas. (laughs) It's true. I was waiting for the connection. (laughs) It was. I went to bed really unhappy. I thought, I don't want bagpipes. And there were furry ones, too. (laughs) I don't know how old my dad was at the time. Perhaps they weren't. I don't know. Tassels. (laughs) Tassels. Oh, no. There's many jokes I could now crack at this point, but I am aware that this is my dad. (laughs) So uh, without any Freudian to do. Yay. There we go. Perfect. How can you um, mistake a car for a UFO? What was well, it, a Fiat Punto I'll, or something? I'll fill you in. This happened actually in Bryant, Arkansas. That should explain a lot. This sounds like a close encounter with a blurred mind. An Arkansas man was arrested and charged with driving while intoxicated and disorderly conduct after he allegedly harassed a couple in a car because he believed they were cruising around in a spaceship. He also thought the driver was an alien. When James Bushard was arrested. Police allegedly found methamphetamine in a pipe that was used to smoke the meth. The alleged victims called the police after Bushart began following them around and then pulled up in front of their Plymouth Prowler to demand that the alien... Prowler. (laughs) Yes. Well, actually, that's much better than... What what are those PT cruisers? I don't like those at all. I'm pleased to hear that. None of these cars exist in Britain. We we don't have any of these cars. It's very bizarre. You don't know what you're missing. Well, when I first come out, well, I've seen what kind of cars you have over here. I'm, I'm happy to stick with the European cars, if that's okay, with the, the Jaguars and the BMWs and the Mercedes Whatever. and Porsches and Ferraris and yeah, Maseratis, yeah. rather than the Buick or the Oldsmobile. <laughs> yeah, I, I know where I'd rather be going with that. It's remarkable that I wonder if the couple, you know, got in the car and he said, I'll take you to heaven and back. I mean, is that where we're going? <laughs> well, actually, he demanded that the alien take his spaceship back to where they came from. Bushart also accused uh, was accused of making threatening gestures. I'm not quite sure what those were. but well, I can show you a couple him. live on air if you want. There's one. Here's a point for you, <laughs> oh, too. <laughs> yeah. One point for Heather, apparently. Thank you for pointing that out to me. According to the, the police report, the 44-year-old was shaking and talking to himself while performing field sobriety tests. He also um, was said to be interested in the Plymouth because... It looked like a futuristic machine and later told police that he was a very big deal and had over a hundred thousand Asian flowers. Asian? What's an Asian flower? I don't know. You didn't do the research. I didn't. Greg, do not type Asian flower into the internet. I'm warning you now, there'll be all kinds of problems. He's a very big deal though. Is he really? Yeah. It's not your ex-visit by any chance, no? 
controversial. If you can't say these things live on your own radio show, when can you in fact say them? I have a UFO story myself. It says a series of bizarre incidents involving sheep in Shropshire have led to farmers' claims that aliens are attacking their livestock. Oh, leave that sheep alone, sir. Farmers near Shropshire... I was only trying to push it through the fence, Judge. Farm... Wow. And then what happened? Did the UFO... And the UFO came down, and then what took place? Well, and that was quite painful for you, I'm guessing. Could you... <laughs> There's a whole lot wrong with the world if a UFO can turn a sheep into a monkey. It's a shunky of all things. Farmers near Shrewsbury claim to have witnessed sheep being lasered by unidentified lights from a UFO. Not a car, not a Plymouth. They have linked the unexplained incidents where sheep's brains and eyes were removed to the mysterious orange lights in the sky. They have found sheep with neat holes while their brains and other internal organs were removed. hope no one's having their dinner at this moment in time. Other animals have lost their eyes or had their flesh carefully stripped away, usually on the left-hand side. Phil Hoyle, 53, who has spent almost a decade investigating how the livestock have died, said the UFOs were found to have roamed a 50-mile corridor between Shrewsbury and Powys. Mr Hoyle and 15 members of the Animal Pathology Field Unit claimed they witnessed UFOs at work last month while working during the night at a Welsh hill farm near Radnor Forest. The technology involved in these attacks is frightening, he said. These lights and spheres are clearly not ours. They are built by technology and intelligence that's not from here. Well, anywhere not from Wales is going to be having technology and intelligence, I would suggest. Hey. He had... <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I, uh, I, I am aware, Kim, that your uh, genealogy is Welsh. They are built by technology and intelligence that not from here. He added, for a short while, he looked more like Star Wars. How can a sheep, how can a series of sheep in a field in Wales resemble Star Wars? <laughs> I don't remember the Star Wars franchise having a scene where there's a laser gun battle between sheep. Has that passed me by? Granted, I didn't really pay much interest in The Phantom Menace, but was there a laser star fight involving sheep? Is that... Not that I remember. Lambdo Calrissian. See what I did there? Did you take all week to think that up? Lambdo. That's terrible. Bar, bar, two, D, (laughs) two. That's terrible, too. What about the uh, young Obi-Wan Kenobi? Wasn't that... um, you, you and McGregor, wasn't that? You have thought about this way too much. I haven't. This is spontaneous. This is not spontaneous. Feel free to jump in at any point. Anybody, anyone jumping in? <laughs> Just me then. I see where that's going. I was going to do Ham solo, but then Ham's obviously a pig, isn't it, rather than a sheep? But you know, once I've dis- got, you know, discarded. I've sheep three PO. Sheep three PO. <laughs> Points all round. I love this show. I love this show. I want to see Sheep 3PO and Bar 2D2. This is a joy. Fantastic. I don't know why they're taking Sheep's brains. It seems very odd. Because um, they're his... better than the people in Arkansas. Well, it's Sheep getting strange injuries in Wales comes as no surprise, especially around the business end of things, because they're very strange <laughs> over there. But why take a Sheep's brain? I mean, Sheep are renowned for being stupid. You don't see a Sheep reading That's a just newspaper. Prejudice. When was the last time you saw a Sheep reading the news? When did, you, when did you last see a sheep doing anything? Arts, <laughs> dance, music? I haven't seen Iwegians do that. <laughs> this is true. So we're now, in our Venn diagram, we have sheep and Iwegians, and in the middle there's a, 
I don't get why you would if you if you've travelled vast distances across galaxies to get here with that kind of technology. Do you think to yourself, I'm going to roll up in a field in Wales and we'll mess around with a sheep? We'll look at its brains. You can just go and get. I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. Why would you? What do you need from a sheep's brain? Why are you asking me? But there's more questions than answers. I can understand maybe you'd take one. Why would you keep going? I just think someone's larking around. I think there's someone, you know, Saturday night. I wonder if this all happens on a Friday and Saturday night close to the pub. What do you think? There are more questions than answers. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of cryptozoology and UFOs and molesting sheep? (laughs) This reminded me of your story last week a little bit. Yay! Because it involves a gorilla. Ah, yes, this is true. I laughed so hard last week. There was a uh, zoo in Spain, in Tenerife, where they were doing an exercise in how to manage if a gorilla escapes from a pen. So they got one of the zookeepers to dress up in a suit, a gorilla suit, and pretend to escape from the zoo. And then they put in place their special, you know, alarm. Task force. Task force. (laughs) There was a vet. There was a vet that had only been there a few weeks, didn't realise that this was a test, and shot shot it in the leg. And then he had an anaphylactic shot. He's not having a good day, is he? We're, I guess we're talking about gorillas now. Well, evidently, when you put on the gorilla suit, it ends up not being a good day. This one is, man in a gorilla suit found guilty of biting a toddler. Oh, he was... Oh, there we go. Was he, he was, dressed in yellow? I can't believe Greg's got all these noises. Incredible. He spent all week practicing monkey noise. Was that in the bedroom? Did he practice those? <laughs> <gasps> wow. Greg, doing monkey noises and being paid peanuts. I um, Perhaps he was getting into the role. You know, you got the suit on and suddenly, you know, you're the man. Like Greg's got that Superman outfit. You know, once he's got the outfit on and the cloak, you know, you need to stand out of the way. And if you've got kryptonite, you know, he sits in the corner, loses all his powers, apparently. Who knew such things? He bit a toddler. <laughs> he bit a toddler, his Where? girlfriend's child. Um, he claimed that it was an accident, but when medical examiners examined the child... They said there was no way there had to have been jaw force with it. So Hold on, hold on. Is that like Suarez? Wow. Heather knows something about soccer. Who knew? Yes, it wasn't Suarez in a gorilla suit. He's quite hairy, isn't he, by all accounts? He is. His teeth are so large, they've been offside twice in this World Cup alone. Quite, rem- <laughs> quite remarkable. You may want to tell him what we're referencing. What? Luis Suarez biting things? Yes. I think everyone must be aware of the World Cup. We can't be the only people in america that don't know there's a world cup going on the game between portugal and america was the most watched soccer game in the history of american television suarez of course is uruguayan and he went up to an italian during a game last week and just randomly bit him on the shoulder it was vicious obviously teething i don't know what goes through someone's mind i'm not here to talk about soccer because i'm sure or everyone who's interested in the paranormal ufos and ghosts is obviously bound to be interested in soccer as well i mean the two obviously go hand in hand don't they you can just see it now but uh, yeah that's very odd i have a story here as well about biting i guess it says this is my worst nightmares it says fish eating spiders are apparently widespread. Scientists have discovered that a number of spider species catch and eat fish. How big is the spider? Well, apparently they're catching fish twice the size of them. So, I mean, I'm guessing they're only catching minnows and so forth. A spider ultimately has the perfect anatomy for fishing. I mean, it can hold a rod in one arm. It can hold the reel in another. A beer in another. It's got a beer in another. It's got, <laughs> it's, got its lures, its bait, sandwich, cell phone. I mean, everything's there. I mean, it's quite a quite a good anatomy to have isn't it for catching i guess it's almost like uh a spider's like the swiss army pen knife isn't it of the animal world they're gross 
What, spiders? Yes. I couldn't eat a whole one. What do you call a spider with no legs? A raisin. Quite a sweet little joke. Spiders are traditionally voo- vooed, viewed as predators of insects, but a new study suggests that eating fish is widespread among species that live near water. Well, I'm guessing they're not setting their webs up in trees and then fish are flying into them. That would be ridiculous. Eating fish is brain food. They're going to end up smart. Wow. We could be overtaken by spiders. I rest in the knowledge because I don't like spiders. And, of course, you don't just see a spider, do you? It's suddenly there. You know, you're standing at the urinal and you look around. It's there. You don't just see one subtly or it doesn't creep up on you and you see it. It's just there and it's in your face. I don't like it. It's uh, unpleasant. I must have had an experience with one. I understand that they're very important. I understand they're fabulous creatures and that they're important to the ecosystem, but I, I can't be doing with it. It's I would just... love to see a matchup between your fishing spider and have you seen the fish that spits? Oh, the archer fish. Yeah. Yes, it's fabulous. It spits. It spits on its prey and knocks them off of leaves, doesn't it? Yeah. That'd be quite a fight. Who would win? I don't know. Between a fish eating spider and an archer fish. Who knew such things? I find that remarkable. It says in some cases the arachnids used powerful poisons to kill their fish that were much bigger than them. Details of the study by a Swiss Australian team, see, I knew the Swiss penknife would come in, uh, <laughs> appear in the academic journal PLOS One. Martin Neifel of the University of Basel in Switzerland has documented numerous incidents of spiders catching fish. <laughs> it's like fish crawling out of the sea and, you know, on the land. There'll be like walleye attacks. Do you know walleye go through the dustbins late at night and cause a lot of racket? Go through what? The, the garbage. Oh. So, yeah, so, just, <laughs> so I'm using colloquialisms. I do apologise. Um, their review of the evidence shows that spiders from as many as five families have been in five families. You know, you've got your cousins on one side and then there's your second cousins and then your auntie and uncle. I mean, there's a whole family of them, apparently. They've been observed eating small fish in the wild. And more families contain species that catch fish under laboratory conditions. I guess if you starve a spider and you give it a fish. I mean, under laboratory conditions, are they eating fillet of fish and fish tacos? Or do you think they're just offering them live fish? What happens? Do you throw a fish into a spider's web? I don't understand. There's more questions than answers. These semi-aquatic spiders typically dwell at the fringes of shallow freshwater streams or ponds or swamps. Some are capable of swimming, diving, walking on the water's surface, water skiing, playing water polo, but they generally have powerful neurotoxins and enzymes enabling them to kill and digest fish that are bigger and heavier than them. I'm hoping they're having more luck than I did last year. (laughs) <laughs> on the fishing front we um we went up to a cabin the four of us uh, last year and uh, we was up in walker we went out on a boat and we didn't catch a single thing that's not true well you know i, I caught a cold and i did catch i caught a walleye but i didn't get it in the boat you didn't um, catch a walleye i didn't what was it a northern yeah it's all this i don't know what the fish are as i said it's very odd you come to this country suddenly you've got different cars i've never seen before every bird in the tree i can't name and i don't know what they are the fish i can't recognize the fruit and veg has got different names it's like living on a different planet and so, who so, caught the first creature oh dear yeah we did have a bet who could catch a crawdad <laughs> Heather sticks a blade of grass in the water. The crawdad grabs it with its claws and she pulls it out. And it's hanging onto a blade, a blade of grass. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Just ridiculous. 
I find this remarkable. It says, in order to catch its prey, the spider will typically anchor its hind legs to a stone or a plant with its front legs resting on the surface of the water, ready to ambush. Mark my words, by the end of this week, they'll be robbing old grannies and taking lunch money from young children. This is terrible stories. I hate these stories. Yeah, I spent all the last week thinking of elderly grandmothers in sexual positions. And this week, <laughs> you know, it's Ew. spider eating. The week before that, I was paranoid about an octopus coming out of the toilet and grabbing my ass. It's just ridiculous. These give me neuroses. Who has stories now? Are we done? Are we moving on? We are. We are. Well, I'm going to give points all round. I think we're going to have six all the way there. So we're on six. Each of us on six. Oh, you're very generous. I know. Well, I like the idea that we could have this quite close and at the end I'll just nip in and win at the end. So that's <laughs> not going to happen. I've got a story. not going to happen. No. I'm in charge of the scoring. Would you like a bet on that? Unbelievable. Well, stay with me for more of the same after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot, people in gorilla suits biting one another, crop circles, ghosts and spiders eating fish. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. They, f- they have a fabulous Facebook site as well, if people are interested. You go to the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group Facebook site, and there are stories of the paranormal. They deal with a lot of ufology on there as well. For people who believe that standing in a cornfield in the middle of the night with a laser pen saying, here I am, come and get me, is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos, guest speakers and sheep that have been interfered with speaking Gaelic from Wales. Anyone with an interest in UFOs or sheep brains is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. But I suggest you don't go driving a Plymouth Prowler. (laughs) If you or your business would like to sponsor the show and contribute to the beast, that is, more questions than answers, you are more than welcome to contact me. You are listening to a warm and culture-shocked brick living in Minnesota, working outside of the normal frameworks of society by delivering the week's paranormal news. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers, and the more I find out, the less I know. Which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania, for introducing the world to dirty hobo water, and sometimes the annoying inability to say, abominable (laughs) snowman live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. I have to gather myself. You know, it's become quite a thing now. It's a neurosis, you know. If you have just joined us, then where have you been and what could have been more important? 
If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah! And a happy dance all around the room. Let me get my spider friends and my fishing tackle box. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has now thankfully... Your mother. My has now stopped <laughs> snoring. She's been called worse things. So onwards we march. I wonder if my mother has ever listened to this. I suspect probably not. Otherwise, I'd have got an email, wouldn't I, saying, Adrian, why am I snoring at the end of Adrian. the Adrian! Adrian! <laughs> Go blimey, Governor! Go blimey, Mary Poppins! <laughs> yes, Dick Van Dyke had a fabulous English accent. We all talk like that. Before we start the round of The Strange and the Bizarre, there's just several things I'd like to run past you. We have a 25th episode show coming up next. So one of the things I'd like to do, if you're interested in asking us questions, if you'd like to ask a question about psychic abilities or perhaps ghosts and spirits or anything at all of the team you're more than welcome to do so we'll put something together for our 25th anniversary show so if you'd like to write a question you can contact me on mqta at rocketmail.com or what might be easiest to go to our facebook site we now have over 4,000 followers so if you go to more questions and answers with adrian lee then you can ask us questions on there and we'll put together a little piece for our 25th show where you can ask the team, the International Paranormal Society, anything you wish. Like what our favourite colour is? <laughs> what a, a good psychic would know that's blue, of course. No, it's not. No. Dark blue? No. Slightly light blue. Azure blue? No. <laughs> not blue. No blue at all. Just no blue. What is your Maybe favorite? they should ask. Well, there you go. If you want to know what Heather's favourite <laughs> colour is... But it seems like a waste of a question, to be perfectly honest. You are more than welcome to write to us on those particular sites. I also want to mention that I'm doing a ghost walk. If you're in and around Long Prairie, in uh, it's north of Salk Centre by about half an hour, in the middle, right in the middle of Minnesota. If you're around, on the 12th of July, I'll be doing a, an author book signing. My latest book called Tales of a Pioneer Town is now available on Amazon and all good bookshops but if you'd like to come along i will be at the christie house in long prairie on the 12th of july in the afternoon i'm doing book signings and an author's question and answer session and at seven o'clock there will be a small donation for the uh, non-profit organization that runs the historical society the historical christie house there but we'll be doing a ghost walk and i shall talk about all the amazing things and all the evidence we've got doing investigations in Long Prairie over the years. So if people are interested, I shall put that on the events page on our website, intparanormal.net. That's int short for international, intparanormal.net. We shall start the round of the strange and the bizarre. Strangely enough and bizarrely enough, we all have six points each, so it's all to play for. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the bizarre and strange? Nothing you have to be worried about. Everything, anymore. everything I'm worried about. Every time you open your mouth and you have a story, <laughs> it gives me neuroses. You know, I'm having to have shock aversion therapy just because of the synaptic Whatever. leaks you're making in my brain. I can't even look an octopus in the eye anymore, let alone a 93-year-old woman. <laughs> Without thinking some bad thoughts. There you go. <laughs> How about this? Sleep deprivation kills man from watching the uh, 2014 FIFA World Cup. So basically he watched all the games and didn't bother to sleep. He obviously never watched the England games because it had been out like a light for 90 minutes. <laughs> well, see, and now you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about staying up watching the games. 
Greg's just opened the door and all of his fans are outside. The most like the Beatles, that was. Hard Day's Night. I had visions of Greg running down the corridor with thousands of screaming girls running after him. The 2014 FIFA World Cup in Brazil is said to have claimed its first victim. England. Thus- <laughs> <laughs> too soon. It's too soon. Oh, speaking of too soon, the show's not on. No, we, we're getting into the habit. This is unfortunate. As bizarre as this may seem, and we are in the round of the strange in the bizarre, as bizarre as this may seem, we actually like one another around this table. <laughs> and we do hang out with each other when the show's not on. So, you know, if we're in the hot tub or we're, you know, sitting out, chilling around the bonfire, you know, what we tend to find now is that the personas that we are on this radio show, we find ourselves... How would you describe it? Maybe exactly the same. It's carrying of it. over. <laughs> it's carrying over. There's a bleed through. We're sat outside of the bonfire, and everyone's having a go at me, and Greg's getting stuff thrown at him, and Heather's having a go at Kim, and vice versa. And we find ourselves saying, "The show's not on. We're not doing the show. <laughs> Let it go. The show's not on. Leave it for the show." I, I'm fine to open my mouth now for three people attacking me with a bell. <laughs> and Greg making sound effects in the corner. He's practicing his harp and his banjo and his pan pipes. It's incredible. You should see them do all three things at once. I, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, if you ever see him playing the piano, he'll get arrested. But fabulous. And it can span an octave, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there we go. Thus, a young man in China is believed to have been killed by sleep deprivation after spending several nights in a row awake in order to watch the games. There was a young man in China. Go on, no, then. That's another. That's for, wait till we get to the round, not for your mother. <laughs> the time difference between China and Brazil is one of about 11 hours. This means that... That's not about fans, 11 hours. It is 11 hours. I'm reading the article. Okay. Do you want me to circle I'm about? I'm poor journalism constantly. It's <laughs> unbelievable. We have to read these stories out, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, I'm sure everyone around this table will agree with me. How some of these journalists around Terrible. the world get a job is remarkable to me. I mean, everyone knows that you have to split two clauses with a semicolon. What's he thinking? <laughs> This means that football fans in China who are dead, get it, said on watching Minus three points. Yep, you're now on three. (laughs) On watching the game live have no choice but to stay up most of the night. More precisely, they have to remain glued to their television sets between midnight and 6 a.m. Add to this the fact that come morning, they have to go to work. And it's no wonder that many experience exhaustion. According to RT, the man believed to have died as a result of sleep deprivation caused by staying up all night to watch the FIFA World Cup was just 25 years old and lived in the city of Suzhou in eastern China. I can't believe, I'm not disagreeing with this necessarily, but I can't believe you can die from sleep deprivation. Surely it just reaches a point where you collapse through exhaustion. Your body just unboots itself and you go down like a sack of spuds. You know, you don't you don't carry on. Your body would just, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Computer terminology. You just reboot. You would just, you know, the lights <laughs> would go out and you're lying on the floor in your own dribble with the imprint of the cushion. Hold on, device. I got to go take a reboot. What I discovered, <laughs> well, maybe after the show. Can't you just hang on 20 more minutes? Wow. Uh, what, I've, what, what I've discovered is that when you have sleep deprivation, and there's a world record for the guy that, you know, didn't sleep for two weeks... When he then went to sleep, he said that he only needed 
12 hours sleep. You don't, you're not in credit. If you who miss was sleep. It? Was it Einstein that only needed like three? Who was it? I can't remember. Yeah, there's Margaret Thatcher as well, who, uh, who was our prime minister. Well, she was just dead anyway, wasn't well, she? Yeah, well, we could, have a, we could spend two hours <laughs> discussing Margaret Thatcher if we want to go there. But uh, yeah, a bit of, bit of politics there. But yeah, she said she only survived on a couple of hours sleep. But the thing is, you're not in credit. If you spend two weeks without sleeping, you then don't need two weeks. Yeah, you don't need to make it up. Yeah, you don't need two weeks worth of sleep. You know, just an eight, ten hour sleep after that. But I, I couldn't believe you would die from that. Surely you just collapse. You just, at that point, you know, decide to log off. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. By the looks of it, his lifeless body was discovered this past Saturday morning in his room the match during which the 25-year-old succumbed to exhaustion is said to have been the one between the Netherlands and Spain. Was well, that, that was, rather exciting? Well, that was that was five two, wasn't it? A five one. Yeah. That was one of the best games of the World Cup. Yeah. He's obviously hard to please. I would suggest in the bedroom. Interesting <laughs> enough, this is not the first time that being a tad too passionate about football kills a man in China. In fact, it was two years ago during the Euro 2012 that another man stayed up for 11 nights in a row to watch the championship. And ended up dying of exhaustion. Wow. I wonder how you die from exhaustion. What's the actual process? Do you just not get enough energy in your body? I mean, sleep is obviously important. There's got to be something in your body susceptible, your heart or your, I don't know, something yeah, in your body that system. gives yeah, out. Yeah, that needs, that needs to have, I, I find that wholly remarkable. You should have three points, which then brings you up. Might I also just make a continuation shortly on To that? six. Oh, for... It's, it's just like two it's, lines. Well, it's not something coming out of a toilet, is it? It It's related <laughs> to it. Does that help? Oh, it's a bloody octopus. Christ almighty. It's my. the soccer octopus. There you go. Bum, bum, bum. Have you ever tried playing soccer with an octopus? You go to kick it and it just sticks to your shoe. You have to run over the goal <laughs> line with it stuck on your boot to get oh, a Oh, I goal. thought you meant actually playing with it like its little eight legs were kicking the ball around. Yes, we don't have it. a defensive back four. We just have Paul the octopus. <laughs> Again, he didn't come on till the second half because he had to put his boots on. <laughs> this is remarkable. Go on. The soccer, the soccer octopus predicts a U.S.-Germany tie, actually. We'll see and what And the happens. U.S. and Germany play tomorrow. Thursday. Yeah, there something like that. So we'll see what happens. Officials at Sea Life Germany explain Regina... That's its name. Sea Life Germany. Do you know the coast of Germany is like the smallest amount of coastline? Germany borders 12 other countries... And at the top of Germany, where Kiel is and uh, Neuhaven and, and Hamburg, it's the smallest, piddliest little bit of coastline you've ever seen in your life. But it has an octopus. It has an octopus. His that is predicting What the is his Cup. name? Regina. Oh, I see. That it's means king name. in Latin. Well, is, that's fantastic. I'm I would just <laughs> sharing that with you. The king of octopuses. Well, anyway, Regina has decided, even though being from Germany, that the US and Germany are going to tie in the World Cup. So we'll okay. see. I've eaten a raw octopus. It's a delicacy. Do you know that in Japan people die because they swallow. You didn't an eat octopus. a live one, did you? No, it was it was sushi. It's a brave man that eats a raw octopus. I was chewing that for an hour. I was still going at it in the car on the way home. Did you find it in the toilet? <laughs> yes, about twenty minutes later. What's the difference between octopus sushi and going to the toilet? Nothing. Twenty minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or about two and a half foot, depending on how oh. tall you are. Lord. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Strange and Bizarre? Teenage in India has a seven-inch long tail. Christ, I wonder where that was going. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. I'll give you one just to start with. You're in credit. <laughs> the 13-year-old boy presently shares a home with his grandfather and his two uncles. He has no father, and his mother is nowhere in sight. 
Because of his anatomical quirks, some people in Punjab consider the boy to be a reincarnation of a Hindu monkey god by the name Hunaman. Hunaman. Hence, they visit him on a regular basis, asking that he bless them and hoping to touch his tail. Wow. Have you ever been asked to have your tail touched? Not recently. Interestingly <laughs> enough, the word schwanz in German schwanz. is a slang word for a gentleman's twig and berries, but it actually means tail. Like, you look at the schwanz on that dog, you'd think, look at the tail on the dog. You wouldn't necessarily... It's a slang word that does get used for other things, but it does intrinsically... Did I see a monkey come I, into the well, studio? Well, I was just, just going to ask, did me? you see the picture? It is oh, remarkable. I mean, I, 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 did, uh, I did have a look at that. You'd think, when I read the story you would think that it's coming out of his coccyx bone because, you know, there are some people that have, you know, evolution. Yeah, evolution mm-hmm. dictates that we were once monkeys. and uh, But it's not coming out the base of his spine. It's halfway up. It's not near it's his, waist. his waistline. Yeah, it's quite remarkable. I wish Greg would leave that monkey alone. It's really... <laughs> He's chasing I'm it sure that's, that's illegal in some countries. Wow. Come here, let me touch yeah, your that's tail. that's a remarkable picture. If people want to see that, they need to visit our site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee on facebook and we will post that on there for you i have a story in the strange and bizarre it says lightning strikes church (laughs) and zaps pianist lightning struck a north carolina church in the middle of a church service zapping the piano player it happened around noon on sunday at the zion hill baptist church in bolivia Lightning struck the roof of the church, causing shockwaves through the electrical wiring in the building, according to the Chief John Eaton of the Fire Department. The pianist did not have to be hospitalised and the was what? treated... I know, I got that Have you had any kind of shock involving a pianist, Greg? No. Nope. Okay, just checking. <laughs> it's when you ask for a 12-inch pianist and uh, you get a little man playing the piano rather disappointingly. The pianist did not have to be hospitalised and was treated on the scene by emergency workers. According to the authorities, the injuries have been described as minor and the victim is expected to recover. The church suffered minor electrical damage, but no structural damage. How how bad must your piano playing be that you're playing in a church and God sends down a lightning bolt? (laughs) At that point, you give up, don't you, and take up the banjo. That might get into more problems with God, ultimately. But if you're playing the piano and you get struck by lightning in a church, what does that say? You I need to take no you need to take another instrument. You need to practice something. What else. the parishioners say? Anything? Well, I was wondering they what anything? they were going to be singing. What would you sing in a church? <laughs> Thunderstruck. Well, Thunderstruck. That's one ticked off. ACDC. If you're going to go down ACDC, you shocked me all night long. How's that? I saw the sign. Do you remember that? Ace of Ole? No, Ace of Base. Electric Avenue. Eddie Grant, <laughs> Greased Lightning, or anything indeed by Michael Bolton. I thought you were going to say Michael Jackson. There was a monkey running around here somewhere. Yes, and that monkey was very fast, which would suggest that bad things have happened to that monkey. We are in the final round of tonight's show. It is the round called Not For Your Mother. It's the round where you take your mother outside, you introduce her to an octopus or perhaps some sushi. You lock her in a room. Make her watch Soccer. With the, with make her watch soccer. <laughs> what could possibly be worse? My mum actually quite likes watching the soccer, but uh, <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon, there'd be traditionally there's soccer on on a Sunday afternoon, like you have Monday night football over here. And we'd have our Sunday dinner, and it's all carbs, of course. It's roast potatoes and, you know, Yorkshire puddings and lots of roast beef and gravy and very stodgy, heavy, hearty British food. And 
Everyone's sat there digesting their food. They've eaten far too much, of course. And uh, the soccer's about to start. And my mum says, we're not watching soccer. I'm not going to sit all afternoon watching soccer. And my dad would say to my mother, do you fancy a uh, vodka and tonic? And my mum would go, oh, that's nice. Thank you. So my dad would make her a vodka and tonic. Ten minutes later, she's asleep. She's snoring. So we've got this going on in the background. And she's got a vodka and tonic in her hand. And of course, the first thing that happens is that we start watching the soccer. <laughs> She'll wake up at regular intervals, but there is a supply of, of port and vodka, all kinds of things, <laughs> to make sure that me and my dad get to watch Sunday afternoon soccer. She hasn't worked this out yet, but she, if she listens to this show, she will now be aware <laughs> of the rooms that we played on her for the last 25 years. So we're in the round of Not For Your Mother. Any minors, anyone who's easily offended? These are the stories of the week laden with innuendo laden with sexual content that we couldn't possibly have mentioned any earlier. In the show, you have been warned. So what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? You're looking very cheeky. Is that a word I can use? Mysterious? Heather, I can't even see your stories. Oh, you're hiding it. Heather seems to think that I've got this ability to be able to read from some distance upside down. Go on then, predict it. Her stories. It's going to be a story about something coming out of a toilet and biting you on the arse. No, you're wrong. Is it an elderly woman getting caught in various positions and you not like playing twist? You like my stories, style? don't They're you? Terrible, <laughs> terrible stories. Well, then Kim, you're gonna, oh, Kim's going to start. Okay. You, we'll, leave you, we'll leave you to the end. You've built all it right. all up. U.S. student is rescued from giant vagina sculpture in Germany. <laughs> and you wanted to wait for me. <laughs> How does one get stuck? In oh. a giant vagina, I just yeah. Go on, ponder that for a while. Yeah, he should have, you know, he should have tied a plank to his ass. It'd have been fine. <laughs> you take a mate in with. You. Oh, that needs some WD forty. That's not seen the light of day, is it? That needs an exorcism, is what that needs. I need holy water and some anointing oil. Only in Germany could you get stuck in a giant sculpture of a vagina. It's uh, quite remarkable. Well, and they said uh, it's a student, and let me, I got to look for the name of the statue. Chakan Pai. Okay. Which means in English, making love artwork by Peruvian artist Fernando de la Jara. There we go. Its name was Chicken Pie? Chicken Pot Pie. <laughs> oh, no, I've got a. Kim, do you know that scene in American Pie? If that was a Chicken Pot Pie. That could you could have a pee wedged up your urethra, couldn't you? Next time you go for a wee, be like a bullet coming out, be ricocheting around the bathroom, you have someone's eye out. That's a pretty good imagination. Well, you know, I'm not saying that's ever happened, but that could happen. So do do help me out here, Kim. Do feel free to jump in at any point with this story. Well, evidently, it was the second time in Germany that they had to do a rescue because from the I'm guessing if this line. if this Got was it. Germany, it's going to be hairy, isn't it? Is where we're going. In the space of 24 hours last week, two spectacular rescue operations were carried out in southern Germany. Both involved men who had become trapped deep inside cave-like structures and a large (laughs) team working to set them free. They're going to be scarred for the rest of their lives. My My mom told me when I was a little boy that there's teeth down there and that if you go near it, you get bitten. So I was scared of this. It you know, stopped me for a lot of my adult life. You know. And how did she describe that to you? Exactly. There's teeth down there, Adrian. Don't go down there. You'll get, you'll get bitten. <laughs> well, the first sexual experience I had, I was really scared. And I wasn't going to go near my girlfriend. And she said, what are you scared of? And I said, I don't want to get bitten. There's teeth down there. And she said, there's not teeth down here. And she showed me. 
And I said, well, I'm not surprised with gums like that. Uh, I was just going to ask, how many times did you use that line on a girl? <laughs> the Only night, once. The night is still young. <laughs> that needs flossing. Oh. Wow. <laughs> well, I've got a load more, but uh, I don't want to be taken off air, so do continue. I was just going to say that it took 22 firefighters to rescue. 22 firefighters. 22. Yes. But wow. they were able to do it. Um, by hand and without the application of tools, quote unquote. Oh, it's just like a Saturday night for you, Greg. <laughs> oh, I like Happy that days. Only in Germany, ladies and gentlemen. I have a story here on a very similar theme in actuality. It says, woman gives birth to a lizard. The midwife probably did not expect to find a baby gecko on the birthing table when she started assisting a mother in labour. But rather than delivering a healthy newborn baby, she found herself face to face with a lizard, or so she claims. Yes, a lizard apparently oozed out of the pregnant woman, covered in mucus and blood as she was giving birth. The midwife found the live gecko and it was the only thing between the legs of the mother. Debbie Nabatonis, who had all the usual signs of being eight months pregnant, this does pose the question, doesn't it, about, you know, how this came about in terms of uh, conception, shall we say. Lizards are oviparous. They're egg-laying reptiles, aren't they? How does the two get together? Was it like a night out? Was she drunk? How does this even happen? Is there a dating website for lizards? Lizard.com. You know, you go on there. and She wasn't lactating, was she? Yeah, lizards. You can't breastfeed a lizard. They're not mammals. That's what I'm saying. How bizarre. Very strange. I find this odd. It goes on to say that some news organisations have quoted neighbours claiming that Miss Nabatonis and her family apparently practice witchcraft. So there's an answer there, perhaps. And it says maybe people could consider the slightly boring idea that the lizard might have hopped onto the birthing bed at some point unseen. This takes place in Indonesia. You would hope, wouldn't you, that while you're giving birth, there's not wild animals running around. But obviously Indonesia might have a problem in this area with lizards, perhaps. So that was the only thing that came out? Yes. Wow. Nothing else. That was all there was. And, this, the, and did the woman survive? Yes, she did. It was only a small lizard, apparently. It wasn't a big... We're not talking about a dinosaur. You're not sat there and a Tyrannosaurus rex pops its head out or a velociraptor. I mean, it's like Jurassic Park, isn't it? Christ, you sat there and it's like a scene from Alien. You so did me. she keep it or did she give it up for adoption? Oh, it's, it's called Gavin and it's being placed for adoption. If anyone wants to adopt an Indonesian lizard, apparently he's got his dad's looks. and He looks like Donald Trump, apparently. Oh. And uh, so does the lizard. I, um, you told me an interesting story. Uh, there won't be any names mentioned, Kim, but this week you mentioned around the campfire a really interesting story about when you was giving birth. You oh. thought, am I not allowed to mention this, that the doctor may have been drunk? And uh, Oh. Is that, where would you think I was going? I had no clue. I want, I want you to mention. <laughs> Where's what, your wizard, Kim? Explain to our listeners what you saw. You thought that the person delivering the baby Well, it wasn't was like I alcoholic. was in labor for forever and there was an ice storm. So it took quite a while to get to the hospital. Okay. So I get to the hospital and they're rushing me in. And they had called the doctor and he was on his way. And the first thing I saw, I looked down and he had on one black church dress shoe. And on the other foot, he had a white tennis shoe. I bet he had another pair exactly the same at home, didn't he? <laughs> I'm sure. Doesn't it worry you that you're lying there about to give birth and the doctor arrives with odd shoes on? Yes. I mean, does that suggest that there's yes. a... Was there a whiff of alcohol, surgical alcohol in the air? Or I didn't smell any alcohol, but that doctor was known to drink quite a bit. 
Okay. That's an interesting story. It's your worst fear, isn't it? You get it's like being wheeled into the operating theatre and as you're starting to, you know, fade into unconsciousness and the edges of your peripheral vision are going blurry, you know, a guy leans over you and says, Well the doctor couldn't make it, but I've I've read Idiot's Guide to uh, uh, appendicitis and I'll you'll be fine with me. They'll they'll you practice. Know, malpractice. That's terrible. What have you got tonight, Heather, in the round of not for your mother? Automatic sperm extractor introduced in Chinese hospital. Automatic sperm extractor? Yeah. What's it like, some sort of turkey baster with some sort of suction involved? Is that... Oh, no. And I let... There's videos out there, people. You have to look on the online. Yeah, Kim. be careful. Oh, Don't yeah. do that in your office, by the way. <laughs> no, you a, a might not of work. How does this work then? Go on, Adam. Where do we get one? A Chinese hospital in Nanjing, capital of Yangtze province has introduced a new machine that makes sperm donation even easier. In case you were worried, it's an automatic sperm extractor. Do you have to make a large deposit to get one of those? or <laughs> You'll find out in a second. Oh. I'm all for hands-free technology, you know, but the scientists have gone a little too far with this invention. An, effort- an effortless uh, machine features a massage pipe that can be adjusted to suit the height of the user. A massage pipe? Yes. yes. It's not a python, is it? No. Okay. All the gentleman has to do is plug in the frequency, amplitude, and temperature, and off they go. It's also fitted with a small screen for those feeling uninspired. According to the director of urology department of the hospital, the machine is designed to help individuals that are finding it difficult to retrieve sperm the old-fashioned way. What's wrong with a small cubicle and some jazz mags? Where's the world going? This <laughs> evolution gone mad. <laughs> We're not entirely convinced that standing in a room shared by many other people and being milked like a cow is going to help, but their efforts are commendable. Here's to technology. I'd want to use the pipe first. You wouldn't want to be the last one in that day. Do they have reuse? I mean, how's that? There's it's so liter- many questions. It, do you, you know, you stand up and you get weighed on one of those machines. It pretty much looks like that, doesn't it? I was going to say, Heather showed me online, and to me, it reminded me of an exercise room. Well, You've got all these, all these tall pieces of equipment. Right. Yes. And you stand in front and of it. And you stand a, in front of it and yes. you plug yourself in. Do you get your own pipe or do you get to share a pipe? I mean, is, it, is someone else... You, you know, you get pipe? your own pipe. You get your own and pipe. And it yes. gyrates. And the screen is up on the top. It, it reminded me of like a, an iPad-sized screen. Yeah, so, so you the can question watch is, videos. Where do we get one? I mean, how are they... <laughs> you know, Christmas is coming and, you know... It is literally, you know, while you're down there and it's making the motions and it probably puts But if you could only make a cup of tea and cook as well, there'd be no need for anything else. It is an absolutely fabulous piece of equipment, isn't it, Kim? It is scientifically (laughs) proven that, you know, the Chinese, is this in China? Yes. Yeah, they are a nation that, you know, is... Aren't they overpopulated? Why would They are. Two thirds of the entire world is uh, Chinese. So why would they need to milk men? I have no idea. I'm just thinking that, you know... Chinese men tend to be short in proportion with everything else, don't they? I'm just, you know, is it? I mean, does the pipe come in different gauges? Is there different gauges of pipe? Is well, there, there was there was a range for adjustment for height. Yep. Can you imagine before you go in, there's a big board with lots of holes drilled in it of different sizes. <laughs> it's like a of, ring fitter. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I bet someone goes in there and says, "Forget the machine. I'll just take the board home with me." Fantastic. There are points to be had all round. Holy smokes. Have you any more stories or is that it for the night? I'm going to finish. I'm retired. We have one story left to go. 
This is a story. It says, get your crotch set on fire in China. Everything's happening in China. Wow. Imagine if the machine blew up or it caught fire. I mean, you know, that would be... Well, then they get... Electrification. Yeah. Yeah, like a candle on a birthday cake. You'd be going around wanting someone to blow it out, I guess, and then you'd make a wish and... Very bizarre. It says, (laughs) in Fujian province, you need balls of steel for this massage, or maybe even balls of fire. Apparently, there is a new type of fire therapy called Hao Liao, and it looks utterly terrifying. A rope made from various herbs is placed on the patient's body and covered with plastic wrap. Then two wet towels are placed over the wrap with the herbal coil. Alcohol is poured on the towels and then the whole thing is set ablaze. You're sat there, you know, with your pork chop on a stick. The clinics offering this therapy are staffed with trained professionals as fire safety and close monitoring the patient is of the utmost importance. Also, they should have a bucket of water on standby should things go awry the heat apparently creates a warm feeling for the patients and can supposedly help relieve stress how does catching one's twig and berries on fire relieve any kind of stress just thinking about that now is giving me stress it's bringing me out in hives it's making me hungry it's like stewed plums this is like the python massage you get the stress relief when the massage is done wow how do you like your meat cooked greg on the grill. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> the heat apparently causes a warm feeling for patients. It says, according to one clinic, everything from depression to diarrhea and indigestion and fertility can be cured. I'm just wondering, what do you do for diarrhea? Set your ass alight. I mean, is that what they're doing? Have you seen videos of this? They're actually setting people alight and putting them out quickly to relieve stress. Wow. What could be more stressful than being set on fire especially around the gentleman's baubles but remember children fire and genitals do not mix well all good things must come to an end so let's look at tonight's scores in last place with the k2 meter with the dead battery is myself i've obviously not been paying enough attention to give myself points tonight i'm on six tying in second place is heather and kim both on nine but for the first time, with an array of harp and panpipes and monkeys and all kinds of extraneous noises, in resplendently first place with a $33,000 IR camera tonight is Greg. Yay! Who knew such things? Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange in tree room bazaar tree room just plain weird please tell your friends and family could i only had one sentence left to go one sentence we do an hour and 15 minutes i have one sentence left to go and thank you for highlighting that to the entire world i appreciate that intriguing bizarre <laughs> weird please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions and answers with adrian especially if you have any questions for any of the panel on tonight's show we'll do that for our 25th anniversary show my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to lorna hunter heather morris jeton drainer kim and greg gore and all at the international paranormal society at int paranormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group and mufon of minnesota it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting good night (laughs) 